Would you take your Bibles with me? Turn to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We have had the wonderful opportunity of studying through the book of 1 Corinthians. You're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And uh, the opportunity to speak through uh, 1 Corinthians has been fun. However, it's been interrupted. And uh, we were working our way through. Uh, we had en- actually originally worked our way through 1 Corinthians um, all the way through almost the book of or chapter 14 um, on Wednesday nights. And then we began to uh, work ourselves into uh, on Sunday night as well, and both times those were interrupted and cut short. So we're going to kind of pick up where we left off with just a little bit of review. And so hopefully you're in um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We uh, ended up last couple times we looked at in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll just end up here, uh, start here, excuse me, in the first little bit. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the churches, uh, their, their gifting, what everyone is gifted for, and the unity that is around those things. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 13, most of you know as the love chapter. But before we get into that, I want to tell you just a little bit of a story of World War II. I've been uh, kind of into World War II just uh, over the last little bit. But it seems that World War II was really probably the most deadly conflict in human history. It is recorded that during this war, 70 million people died. Many of those men and women who volunteered, they volunteered their lives for a greater cause. One person in particular was a man by the name of Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy, like many others, lied about his age in order to get into the war. He wanted to fight so badly that he lied. He was 17 when he enlisted. However, Audie was different. In January of 1945, 2nd Lieutenant Audie Murphy was the commander of Company B. They were stationed near the Colmar Pocket. The Colmar Pocket was a 2,000-kilometer-squared uh, area in the Vogue Mountains that had been held by German troops since November of the year prior. He moved with the 3rd Division on January 24th to the town of Haltzweer, where they faced a strong German counterattack. As the company awaited reinforcements on January the 26th, the Germans scored a direct hit on the M10 tank destroyer, setting it ablaze, forcing the crew to abandon it. Murphy ordered his men to retreat to the position in the woods, remaining alone at his post. Shooting his rifle and directing artillery fire via his field radio, while the Germans aimed fire directly at his position. Murphy mounted the abandoned burning tank destroyer and began firing its 50 caliber machine gun at the advancing Germans, killing a squad crawling through a ditch towards him. For an hour, Murphy stood on the flaming tank destroyer, returning German fire from foot soldiers and advancing tanks, killing or wounding 50 Germans. He sustained a leg wound during his stand and stopped only after he ran out of ammunition. Murphy rejoined his men. Disregarding his own injury, he led them back to repel the Germans. He insisted on remaining with his men, with his men excuse me, while his wounds were being treated. 
When asked after the war why he had seized the machine gun and taken an entire company of German infantry on, he replied, they were killing my friends. You see, soldiers have a sense of duty. Soldiers have a sense of duty. It's ingrained into them. And that duty has been given to them by their higher powers. It has been so ingrained into them that men will give their lives as a sense of duty. If someone were to ask me, would you give your life for your family? I would say, yes, it's my duty to do so. The same would be true of these men in uniform, men and women in uniform. But somewhere along the line, I want you to understand this, duty turns into love. Somewhere along the line, I don't know when that happens, but I know that Audie Murphy did not just do things out of duty anymore. He was protecting his friends. They had no longer become necessarily fellow soldiers. They were his friends. Duty will get you started, but love will carry you through. Duty will get you started, but love will carry you through. When you love someone, you will give your life for them. When you love someone, you will give your life for them. The very simple argument there is Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Jesus came down and, and gave his life for a people, a world that he loved. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a very important passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, talks about our, our part in the body of Jesus Christ. Our part as the body of Christ. And every person is members in particular. We all have a role to fulfill. We have a duty, if you will, to perform. If you'll look with me, the end of chapter 12, verse 27. I want you to see that yes, we ought to do these things, but there are some serious things that we need to look at even further. Look at verse 27. The Bible says, Now ye are, member, are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Look at what he says in verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts. Listen, God has gifted us with something very serious that needs to be used for the body of Christ, and we need to covet, and those are the things that we ought to and want to perform to the very best of our ability but look at verse 31 in the end of it. The Bible says, And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He says, listen, everything that I've told you in chapter 12, which if you haven't studied that, please go back and look at it. I've given you all kinds of things here in chapter 12, and what you must understand is these things are all important. Every part of the body is important for the cause of Christ. It is very important to understand that. But he says, but I want to show you a more excellent way. There is a better way. What is that way? The proper motivation. 
That way is the proper motivation. That's the title of the sermon, the proper motivation. You see, we can all perform our duty. We can all perform our duty. We can come to church and we can fill in our spot. We can do the things that we think we need to do, but it is love that will truly unite us. It is love that will truly unify us. The Bible says this, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. The entire world will know that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, not by the works that you do. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Works are important. They will not see that by the works that you do. It will be based upon the love that you have one for another. Let's ask this question. What are we without love? There's a lot we could say that we are with love. But let's go ahead and take a look at what the Bible says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What are we without love? Look at verse 1. The Bible says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. The spiritual gift of tongues was an amazing gift. There was so much that could be accomplished with this. The gift of tongues was not just babblings, by the way. The gift of tongues was something that a person in another country or another language could understand. So I, I would not have to study to do so. So if I was to go to Mexico today and I had the gift of tongues, I would be able to speak Spanish so that people could hear the word of God in their tongue. That was the gift of tongues. It wasn't just vain babblings. If I was to go to Egypt, I would be able to speak Arabic. And that was the gift of tongues. That's, it was just immediate. I didn't have to go to language school and all those different things. And we'll see later in this chapter that those tongues have ceased. Nobody had to overcome a language barrier. No one had to wonder what was being said. The Holy Spirit gave people the gift of tongues so that the person hearing the gospel only had to practice simple faith. But there are many people that have a unique gift of words. They have a wonderful sounding voice. I don't know if you notice, but after the end of the second service, my voice starts to go out. My wife said to me today, your voice doesn't sound so good. There are people that have very strong voices, very wonderful sounding voices. We put those voices on the radio I hope they don't have a face for radio. A voice that even sounds like an angel. I want you to look at this passage again. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. This is just, I mean, man, you think about the shepherds that were abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord showed round about them, and they were sore afraid. And then a choir of angels ends up showing up. Imagine hearing a choir of angels sing. Listen, choirs of angels are not a bad sounding thing. It's spectacular. It's moving. It's amazing. And this is, Paul is saying, I could speak with men, the best of men, or angels. I could have everything there is to come out of a mouth, anything you could ever want. 
But if we use that gift without love, we are as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. We've all known people that have the gift of words. I watch some preachers online, and I just go, wow. They, that is amazing. The gift of words. And all of us have known people that have the gift of words, but yet they don't use it with love. <laughs> they are not afraid to tell you what they think. They are not afraid to give you their opinion. They are like the boss. They sit in their chair and they bark out well-spoken orders to people. We all know people that have the gift of words, yet they don't use it in love. After a while, do you know what it sounds like? It sounds like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. If I can give you a very apt likeness, it would be like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. A sounding brass, if I, if I could do this, I play the trumpet. If I was to take the trumpet and just do really short blasts of the same note, and I did that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, how many of you would stick around for very long? Nobody would. A sounding brass, be terrible. A tinkling cymbal, just constant noise. It would be absolutely annoying, wouldn't it? It would be horrible to listen to. But understand, if you speak without love, that's exactly what you sound like. That's exactly what you sound like. All of us have had both happen to us, haven't we? I have. I can remember, I, I can remember the times when I've been spoken to in love. You know, it didn't make the pain go away necessarily, but I knew it was from love. And it was useful. It was a useful sound. But a sound of someone speaking not in love is an annoyance. Like, why are you even talking? But that's what we are without love. We can speak as the tongue of men and of angels. And have not charity, we are sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. So listen, the gifts, you could have that. You can go up to somebody, the Bible says this, speaking the truth in love. So listen, it's important to speak the truth, isn't it? But speak it in love. Speak it for a proper change, not for a change just for the sake of change. When you speak in love and with charity, it is much more tolerable than if it was a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Number two, I want you to see verse two. Look what he says. Paul says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, look at what he says, the next three words, I am nothing. I am nothing. This group of spiritual gifts is as if you know the mind of God. Look at these again. The gift of prophecy. Understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith. Listen, I just know what God is going to do. 
I have full confidence that he's going to apply it. It's as if you have literally the mind of God. This person understands the way that God works. This person understands the hidden things of God. He is full of knowledge. With that knowledge, he easily practices his faith. He knows God will see him through, and so he takes very large steps of faith. And some of us that maybe hold back a little bit are like, whoa, that guy is uber spiritual. Wow, look at what he's attempting for God, and God is supplying, and he just seems to know who God is. With these large steps of faith, this person is likely to see God work in miraculous ways. I believe Paul to be one of these people. Paul the Apostle was taking great leaps of faith and going places that he knew he was supposed to go. And he remember, you remember uh, God coming to him and the Macedonian man coming to him in a dream. And this is all the things that he was told to do. God knocks him off of a horse and says, you're going to serve me. Listen, Paul did some amazing things and was taking great steps. And God gave him the mystery we see in Ephesians. All kinds of different things. God was doing through the Apostle Paul, but if this person does not have charity, look at the last three words of the verse, I am nothing. I am nothing, completely obsolete, worthless. Listen, you can know everything there is to know about the mind of God and don't have love with that. You are worthless. A big fat zero. Doesn't that make you feel good about yourself? Not at all. Because all of us, listen, all of us want to know the mind of God. All of us want to understand who God is. All of us want to know what God's will for our life is. And we want to work that out in the very best way possible. And we want to have great faith and take great steps of faith. Yet if we do that without love, we are nothing. I want you to understand this, and this may hurt a little bit. No matter how valuable you think you are to God's work, if you don't have love, you are nothing. Some of us think that, don't we? Man, look at all the things I'm doing for God. Look at all the great steps of faith I have. And I mean, I do my devotions daily and I'm in tune with who God is and you don't have love. The Bible says you are nothing. I like this statement. You can move from zero to hero with charity, with love. You can move from zero to hero with love. Let me give you a, a for instance. There was a man in the Bible, most of you will probably know his name. His name was Moses. Moses. You see, God came to Moses in a burning bush. And other times we understand that God meets with Moses on a very personal level. In fact, there's only one man that we understand that ever saw any part of God, any part of his glory, and that was Moses. Man, Moses had some wonderful things going for him, didn't he? He knew the mind of God. He knew the direction that God wanted them to go. He knew all kinds of things about God. And there were times in Moses' life where he got upset with the people, didn't he? He was a leader. He was to move the people, and he was to follow God's every instruction. And he began to give the law. 
All of these different things, and he followed the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Listen, he was completely in tune with God. But the wonderful thing I love about Moses is more times than not, when God was frustrated with the people, when God said, I'm going to destroy him, it was Moses' love that stepped in and said, don't blot their names out, blot my name out. Don't do that. What will, what will the Egyptians say? Listen, Moses was a leader. Moses was a man who had all kinds of wonderful things with God. He had the mind of God, yet he had love. And we look at him as one of the greatest leaders. Love. Move from zero to hero with love. Number three. Look at verse three. The Bible says this. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Profiteth me nothing. A worthless benefit. This type of person has a sacrificial spirit. This type of person will give, and we, we see the gift of giving Give. They're more worried about other people than themselves. They're not selfish. They're a very giving person. They want to give and give and give. They sacrifice themselves even. They'll, they'll go without sleep. They'll do all kinds of different things. They want to just give. Every one of us know people like this. I have a family member that's this way. Just constantly, constantly giving. The Bible tells us, even if we give, it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over. It's a good thing to give, everybody. It's a great thing to be a giver. There are those people that have been blessed with a giving spirit. That's all they want to do. Listen, that's a wonderful gift. Don't squander that gift. Understand, if you sacrifice without love, there will be no profit. Look again at that end of that verse. And have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It's a worthless benefit. You have this wonderful gift. You've got this amazing talent to be able to give of yourself, to be able, able to give of your time, to be able to give of your resources and not really think about it. It's just something that flows naturally through you. But if you do it without love, it profiteth nothing. Let me give it to you this way. This way. There will be no reward in heaven for it. Wow. It's pretty serious. Because you can give to your heart's content, but if you do it without love, it is worthless. It profiteth me nothing. Every one of us has been placed in the body for a very specific reason. Every single one of us has been given a gift that in order to fulfill the gift, we must perform the duty of the gift. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 gives us a great many giftings. We all have a duty to perform our gifts and profit the body. We could spend a whole lot of time without how important it is to perform what it is God has called you to do, but without love, these things 
are nothing. Without love for the body, you are not making the difference that God has called us to make. You say, Pastor Owens, what's really the big deal with love? I want you just to simply think about it. I've had several people in my life attempt to mentor me. And listen, I'm thankful for any advice you can give me. But in my life, I've had these people that attempted to mentor me, and I will give you two examples. The first is I was sitting on the front row of the auditorium at Faithway Baptist College, Faithway Baptist Church. I remember sitting there, and Beth and I were dating at the time, and I was like very sure she was the one that I was going to marry. It was during our missions, missions conference. And I was sitting there, and there happened to be a globe. Mr. Vandekamp, you would remember this. I've used this illustration a couple times. There was a globe sitting right next to the organ, and that's where I was sitting, I was sitting directly in front of that. And I had a missionary, one of the missionaries that was there, and it always faced Africa for some strange reason. Always faced Africa. And this missionary was going to Africa. He came up to me, and he tapped me on the shoulder, and he said, God's will is in front of you. And at that moment, Beth walked through the door in the choir line. And I said, you're right. <laughs> Thank you for uh, confirming that for me. And we talked a little bit, and he said a few things to me, and it was very forceful in the way that he said it. And I thought, this is, this is weird. I have no idea what the sermon was on. I have no idea what the mission, missionary of the night was. That's all I could think about. I thought, that's weird. Why would he say that? And then I looked, and I saw the globe. And I thought, he's, he's telling me that the will of God for my life is to go to Africa and to work with him. And I thought, who is he to tell me that? Listen, I understand his intentions, but he and I had no relationship whatsoever. None. We had maybe talked a little bit during the missions conference, but that's it. Listen, he was trying to mentor my life. He was trying to use his gifts in order to push me toward an expected end. I admire his intention, but let me contrast that with a gentleman all of you have probably met, my dad. There's been many times in my life that my dad has come alongside of me and said, hey, bud, I want you to think about something. Hey, have you ever thought about this? And you know what? Every single time I remember thinking, I am so glad I have a dad who loves me and cares about me. I am far more apt to listen to a man that loves me than a man who doesn't know me at all. So listen, you can have all kinds of things in your life, all kinds of gifts, all kinds of talents, all kinds of abilities, all kinds of things that will work for this church, work to your benefit, work to the glory of God, all of things that are good, right, and amazing. But if you don't have love, they're nothing. They're nothing. So listen, you're gonna, you're gonna wanna bring and talk to a young person 
You're going to want to have influence in someone else's life. Can I encourage you? Love them first. Love them first. That's exactly what I want to do for you. I don't want to get up here every Sunday and have you wonder, do, does Pastor Yeomans love us? I don't ever want that. If that's the case, I failed and I'm sorry. But I desperately want you to know that because it's love that reigns. Love can get you into some tough spots and you can work it out together. We are in a war, an absolute, all-out, spiritual war. And I want you to understand the enemy is killing our friends left, right, and center. Sometimes it feels like we're on fire. Satan is taking our, if you will, body parts, and he's killing them. He's taking them away from us. Let me ask you this question. Do you love them? Do you love them? Or could you care less? Well, I'm getting my job done. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm getting my job done. The body must be unified, but not out of duty, out of love. And when you love someone, you will fight for them. You will fight for them. There are people that you know that used to go to church, that used to love God, that used to walk in a relationship with Him and they've walked out of that. What have you done? Do you love them? Will you fight for them? See, love must be our motivation. Men, I believe, are more duty-driven than women. So at first, when asked, will you protect your wife and your children? Yes, it's my duty to do so. That's not my answer anymore. My answer is, I love them so much I would die for them. It's different. As you leave this place tonight and you think about people, I want you to think about how you can love them. We're going to look at those over the next couple of weeks. Love's actions. How, how do you love someone? What does it look like to love someone in the body of Christ? What does it look like to love your spouse? What does it look like to love someone? Take a, take a look through that for the First Corinthians chapter 13. But love is the proper motivation. Let's love, because without it, we are nothing. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that you've given us. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here this evening. And I pray that you would help us, first of all, to understand your love. And Father, if there's one listening here today that does not know you as personal Savior, then I pray that today would be their day of salvation. They would know your love in a new way that they've never experienced before. Father, through that love, we're then able to love people. I pray that as we look at our lives, Father, if there's any way in which we fall short of this love, I pray that you would convict our hearts and as you would get us to see where we fall short, we would begin loving you and allowing that love to flow through us again. Help us to love each other. Help us to fight for each other. 
And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.